It's Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. This is Chip Stewart. It, this is the Worthy of Sea podcast. And um, I appreciate the feedback that I get through the email for the podcast. Um, if you have any, please feel free to send it. Um, don't hesitate. Uh, it's Worthy of Sea podcast at gmail.com. And all the words in the first part are separated by a period. So Worthy is He podcast separated by periods at gmail.com. And um, you know, if you're just joining this podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. I just started this year. I'm a, This is number 40, I think. And um, go back and listen to ones like number six on the world system. I think this is um, very, it's good information uh, about the world system that we live, that we live in right now and what its characteristics are and, and, and some of the things that we need to watch out for. Um, also, number 11 on Psalm 23, where I focus in on um, he leads us um, on paths of righteousness for his namesake, which I think we sometimes gloss over when we read Psalm 23. And then um, number episode number 14 on the high priestly prayer, where um, I describe how our Lord prays for us before he goes to the cross and what it means for us as his followers. There's some very important things that he, he tells us through his, his prayer to the Father. Um, with that being said, I, I have to say that I am, I am deeply grieved by what I see going on in the world today, uh, the conflict um, in the Middle East, you know, and you see around the world the depths of, of the depravity of man. But we have to remember that our Savior is greater than all. He's greater than all that. And He's coming back one day to set things right. Let us cling closely to Him during these times and listen to what He's telling us. So, so today... Um, during this episode, I would like to share Psalm 146 with you. And then after reading it, focus specifically on how it declares that the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, which points directly to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the glory of his name. It is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. So what you'll usually see in your, in your Bible is a heading before it. And this one is entitled in the ESV, Put Not Your Trust in Princes. I'm into that. Starting in verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin." The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So going back to verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. And you have a series of statements here, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, and all these things that the Lord does. Well, this is talking about God in this 
psalm, obviously, but Jesus Christ hasn't come yet. So when you say the Lord opens the eyes of the blind and then Jesus Christ comes and then opens the eyes of the blind, which no one has done before in the scriptures, that's a sign for people that here is the Messiah, the God-man who has come. So I, I, want it, I want us to specifically take away from this that you know, based on just verse 8, that little, that little phrase in verse 8, when you look at it from a literal perspective, and, and you can certainly look at it a figurative perspective too, um, it, it demonstrates how Jesus is, one, predicted in the Old Testament, two, how he is the creator as described back up in verse 6 and in John chapter 1, and how Jesus is the Lord, because that is exactly what he did. He opened the eyes of the blind when he walked with us. And like I said, this was something that had not been done before in the scriptures. And that'll actually be one of the statements made by a man that he uh, gave sight to. Before we start, before we move to the New Testament, I want us to take a look at Isaiah chapter 42, because this echoes what the prophet Isaiah said in that chapter about the Lord's chosen servant, who is Jesus Christ. So the Lord's chosen servant, Isaiah chapter 42, beginning in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and the Spirit to those who walk in it. So again, talking about the Creator God in this um, section of Isaiah 42. Continuing verse 6, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisoners, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So the Lord is telling us ahead of time of his chosen servant and what he is going to do. And looking back up into verse 5, thus says, God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, very much like back up in the psalm that I read, where I'll start in verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. And then also it speaks of justice here, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Very close parallels between these two. And then in verse 7 of Isaiah 42, to open the eyes that are blind, very much like verse 8 in the psalm, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. So this is not a one-off. This is not something that is said once, which, you know, it really shouldn't matter anyway. If it's said once, it is truth. 
But this is a, a repeated theme in the Old Testament about um, the, what Jesus Christ is going to be like. So now let's turn uh, to the New Testament and let's recall those times that Jesus literally opened the eyes of the blind. So you have the incident that's uh, recounted for us in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22 and going through 26, where Jesus heals a blind man at, at Bethsaida. Then you have uh, another one, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41, where Jesus heals a man born blind. And the key there is he's born blind. That's, a, that's something that's a distinction that's made between the three. It's, it's specifically called out there. The others, it's not necessarily clear. And then the third, uh, the third time, Jesus heals two blind men at Jericho, and that's recounted in Matthew chapter 20, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. So at this point, I, I'm not going to go through all three of them. I want us to look specifically at the time when Jesus heals a man born blind, as recounted in John chapter 9. So here we're talking about a man who never had vision ever in his life, and, and he had no hope of somehow receiving sight during his life. He had no idea what it was like to have sight. And it was hopeless. He would not see ever in his life. Now, when you look at this chapter, John spends the entire chapter talking about this man, him having his sight given to him by Jesus Christ, and then the effects of that especially when he's brought before the leaders of Israel. And I, I was thinking to myself, well, why does John spend so much time? It's 41 verses on this. Um, when the other passages about healing blind men, restoring their sight, are very short in comparison. And, and I think, my, my belief is that I think John is doing this to make it clear for us that Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah and of the psalm that he is the God-man. He is the promised one. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So now let's turn to John chapter 9, and I'm going to read through the, uh, the entire thing and, and give some comments uh, as we go through. So verse 1, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Imagine that. God created you. Imagine you're this man. He created you without one of your senses, one of the critical senses that you have, so that his son, the Messiah, could display the works of God in you. What a blessing this man had from God. One day, we may meet this man who God used for his glory. We may meet him in heaven. What an amazing blessing that God created him like this. But we, we think of this as, well, we so quickly think, woe is me when we suffer affliction. And when you know, God, who is sovereign, may be doing it for his glory, probably is doing it for his glory, almost certainly, so we need to ask ourselves when we suffer affliction, how can God be glorified through our affliction? Because certainly this man, through his affliction, God was glorified. And it was a specific 
example that was being um, displayed by his son through this man. And it, and it was there to fulfill prophecy that had been, had been given many, many years before and proof that Jesus was a God-man. How blessed this man is. So continue in verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And indeed, he is the light of the world, who physically transferred a man from the darkness of his blind state to one of glorious sight. And he also transfers us from the darkness of our sin and wickedness to the light of his goodness and truth. So indeed, he is the light of the world. John, uh, reading in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, describes both how Jesus is the creator and the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here we have the light of the world. And indeed, he is bringing light, physical light, to this man who could not see. Continuing verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight and said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. I want to break in here. I think it's very interesting how he's brought before the Pharisees the ones who should know the scriptures and know what to look for in the coming Messiah. And here, demonstrating this man, Jesus had fulfilled the prophecies of the Lord opening the eyes of the blind, and yet they were blind and did not see it. Very much so like like our Lord healing the leprous men. And when they when they went, when they had to go to the priests, there, if you look back in, uh, in the Torah, there is... There's very specific steps, there's specific procedures that they have to go through with the priests to be cleansed of their leprosy. And that also is a demonstration to the leaders that this man who just healed my leprosy is is the Lord. So they keep getting this information, these signs, and yet they are blind and don't see who is before them. That is the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, the Savior. Okay, now let me see, where was I? <laughs> uh, let me see, I'm just going to go back to verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. (laughs) He can tell. He knows. And this man is special, yet the Pharisees refused to see. Verse 18, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now... I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? What a fantastic, what a, a fantastic response. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So, I am not aware of anyone before Christ in the scriptures who restored sight to the blind. So it leads me to believe that this is a unique sign of the Christ being the Lord, the Messiah, as prophesied in scripture. Verse 34, they answered him, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Praise God. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you are blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. And I see this as we must acknowledge that we are in darkness and need the light of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need that to be saved. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, I believe speaks to this in a way. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out 
in God. So in the case of the Pharisees, it seems to be good is called evil and evil is called good, kind of like an upside down, upside down world. Jesus is the light. So I'm going to ask you, do you now see, based on what I have shared with you today, Jesus Christ is a promised one to save us from the darkness of our condition and bring us into his marvelous light. Jesus Christ is the creator who made our eyes and can restore our sight. Do you believe in the Son of Man? It is he who is speaking to you through his word. Let us join together to praise his name, for he is worthy. May he be gracious and merciful to you and grant you peace. In his holy name, amen.